Well, excited to be with you all and uh, continuing our series working through the book of Acts, just chapter by chapter. We're in chapter 20 uh, this morning. We've come a long way. You can start turning your Bibles or phones or whatever you need to do to get there. Uh, as I'm chatting here, I was just thinking, my, uh, I don't know if any of you in this summer have had a chance to spend some time with family either out of town visiting or someone, a family member coming in town to stay with you. Anybody had one or the other here in this tree? Yeah, a good percentage uh, of us. We enjoy that. We're actually hosting some of Adrian's family in from Vancouver. Uh, we're excited to have them there. In fact, this last spring, I was thinking about it. Uh, Mark, my brother-in-law, was here visiting. And uh, he's uh, uh, pretty heavily involved in kind of the film and uh, TV industry. And he was I was asking him after the service, I was like, can you give me any uh, feedback just on the sermon and just on the presentation part? Because he's very good at all of that. And he was like, you know, Scott, he said, one thing I, you, you might want to consider is, is maybe going a, a little bit softer in your tone, maybe slowing down a, a, a little bit, just some things to consider you maybe not, let, let the microphone do more of the work rather than you and your, your tone. And so, so over the last couple months, I've been been trying that, and I've realized something. When I've been pent up in my office for 15 to 20 hours, <laughs> studying God's Word, excited to share with you, it doesn't work very well. So I'm really <laughs> lousy at that, so, so sorry about that. So my, my tone and speed uh, aren't exactly where I'm trying to get them to. Mo maybe you've mo noticed that in your own life. When you get excited about something, what happens to your, your volume? Anybody else have this issue? I've noticed, especially if you're Italian, this is a, a ex <laughs> exasperated, but your, your volume seems to go up. The, the speed in which you're talking increases because what? Passion typically moves towards the, 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 this whole urgency, and urgency is translated often in volume. We were on a family vacation this summer, and uh, my kids got to try this new roller coaster in Ocean City, New Jersey. Afterwards, we're getting a little feedback from them, and they were just, it was so hilarious to watch them. They couldn't, they couldn't keep it contained. Their, their volume, they're kind of over-talking each other. It was awesome, the loop and this and that. Like, they're going on, maybe not with a lisp. But anyway, like, the, the passion was there because why? That's how it works. When you're passionate about something, it, it translates into urgency, and oh, that we would have a passion for Jesus Christ that actually translated into an urgency in the which we live. An urgency in the way in which we live. I was thinking about that. And who's an awesome example of that? Apostle Paul, man. This guy, the more I've studied of his life, he goes at 100 miles an hour, 24-7, literally trying to maximize every opportunity to have as much impact as possible. Literally, for the, for the non-believer, he's trying to engage with them. For the believer, he's trying to encourage and build them up. Either way, both he's taking advantage of every, seizing every opportunity that he can. And we're going to see that specifically in our text this morning. And as you think about it, as you kind of assess your days and your limited number of days here on earth, don't you want to have your life have that same kind of impact? One that's one of urgency, that's literally leaving marks on people as you go because it's driven by passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Saw this little, uh, this little uh, uh, description on Facebook this week. I don't know if you've seen this before. The first five days after the weekend are always the hardest. Have you guys seen that before? <laughs> At first, I read that, and I was like, you know, that, that, that's, that's, good. that's good comedy, you know? But then the more I was stewing on it, I was just like, 
man, but I don't want to just live for a paycheck waiting for the thrill of the weekend. One more fun fix. Like, really? Is that, is that the life that I want? I'm suggesting that maybe God's called us to something a little bit more than that with our limited days. Let me pray before we dive in. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be together and to study your word. And we come together like this because we believe your word still speaks to us today. You have a message in this section of scripture for us. I ask that you'd make that clear in people's mind, that they'd be able to put off distractions. They'd really be able to engage and encounter you this morning, that whatever you need to speak, your Holy Spirit would do that in this time together. We submit this to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So chapter 20, starting in verse 1, I titled this section, The Encouragement Tour. You can see how many times it mentions being encouraging happening from Paul's visit. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed to Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sobodar and Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius and Derby and Timothy and the Asians Tychicus and Trophimus. Wow, uh, you guys try that. Uh, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days we came to them at Troas, where they stayed, where we stayed for seven days. All right, let's stop there for a moment. Let's give a little explanation in this section that I titled Encouragement Tour. It started with this, it says, after the uproar ceased. You remember where we left off last week? This was the, the uh, idol makers in Ephesus were pretty fired up. What were they uptight about? What were they concerned about? See, as the followers of Jesus Christ became more influential in the area that they lived and were abandoning idols, idol sales were on the decline. They were, they were dropping, and so the, the idol makers were really concerned. They caused this riot, a pretty intense scene we studied last week. Now, we notice, though, that Paul isn't shaken up by that. He's still just continuing on with his plans, encouraging them, and then moving on with his plan to go to Jerusalem, then ultimately to Rome. So he's moving on, understanding that opposition is part of the expectation as a follower of Jesus Christ. So he goes in a pretty roundabout way. I wish I could show you on a map kind of the tour that he goes from city to city, but logically it makes no sense if he's heading to Jerusalem. So he goes to all these different churches that never existed before his missionary journeys that now exist, which is pretty cool in and of itself. He goes on this tour, and in the text, it doesn't tell you why he went this roundabout way. But in 1st and 2nd Corinthians and in Romans are written at this exact same time, it describes that he's going on a tour and doing a collection for the needy believers in Jerusalem. There's a ton of poverty in Jerusalem due to a local famine. And so he's trying to rally at these different churches to bring resources to bless the believers there. Does that make sense? But at the same time, while he's on tour, he's going to all these different locations. You see it there in the text. He's bringing encouragement to every single one of them. He's like a, a breath of fresh air to everyone he encounters. 
It's like, oh man, when you're thinking about a, a life of urgency, wouldn't you love that to be said of you? Man, I spent some time with him today. Ah, oh, so encouraged. Saw this other little image on uh, Facebook. You can see where I'm spending my time uh, this last week. Had a picture of, of this park bench. Maybe you've seen this before. And it asked the question, if you had two hours to spend with any person in history, who would that person be? Anybody ever seen that question before and never wrestled? Who's number one? Of course, Jesus Christ. You got to go with that. And then for sure, Michael Jordan. And then for sure, after that, then you'd probably go uh, with Apostle Paul. Because can you imagine sitting down on this park bench, although that might be awkward in the fog, but, uh, but, but here, imagine sitting down and hear story after story of what a life of faithfulness looks like. A life of complete abandon, one that's just left everything behind, would be pretty awesome to hear his stories. And imagine the adventures that he would describe. And you see that in all of that, he's just looking to encourage and build people up. You can do this. I believe in you. I had on uh, this, this week on Wednesday was my 45th birthday. And so now every day that passes, I'm realizing this, I'm closer to 50 now than 40, which is really strange. Uh, so I'm on the, a couple days closer. But what I love about birthdays, maybe you get this too, is getting this, the encouragement dump. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like between Facebook and cards in the mail and, and emails and voicemails, you're just like, man, I'm the best. You know, like, I, 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 no, I don't really say that. But you get all this encouragement and you're just like, wouldn't that be lovely if we were known for that? To being bringers of encouragement. Anybody that spends any time with us, man, they leave and they're feeling like a million bucks. You see, though, not everyone felt like a million bucks. It says that he stopped in Greece, which would be referring to Corinth. And remember, he spent a significant amount of time in Corinth and had a lot of opposition there. And they had some of their key religious leaders that actually uh, made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. So he's showing up there with some disgruntled Jews. And it says that they plotted to kill him. They were making a, a plot to kill him. Can you imagine? You're like, Man, I'm on the encouragement tour and they're plotting to kill me. Can you imagine if a, a week in your life had just, you know, honey, how was your day today? Well, I found out I exposed another uh, kind of plot to kill me. I sure hope this time it doesn't work. Like, what would that be like? That's what Paul's life was like. He's committed to encouragement. He's going from city to city, trying to invest in people with the ultimate end goal of getting there by uh, the time of Passover, because that's in the city of Jerusalem. When everyone had gathered, he wants to show up by Passover, show up with all of these gifts to help out the poor. Are you tracking with me? But he's not going to make it by Passover now. He's now got a new goal because he's had to take some detours to make it by Pentecost. There's 50 days between Passover and Pentecost that everybody stays in Jerusalem. So he's got this little brief window, are you tracking, in order to get there to deliver the goods. So he's on this tour with that in mind. He stops in Troas as one more of his stops, verse 7, on his encouragement tour. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we, were get, where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. 
Oh, this is going to be fun to talk about. So let's, let's explain this little section here. So first, it's the first day. It mentions that it's the first day of the week. This is literally the first unambiguous reference to Christians gathering for worship on a Sunday, which is kind of interesting. It's also the very first reference to our first sleeper in a sermon, the very first time that's being referenced here. And uh, it says that they gathered to break bread. Now, breaking bread kind of had two potential meanings. Breaking bread, one, is just the practical. They're having a meal together. They're eating uh, uh, dinner together. The other more spiritual side would be also most likely participating in communion. So most likely in this instance, probably a little bit of both. So they're coming together. They've got Paul in town, town, and Paul starts going, starts talking. The word talk there is the word dialogomi, where we get dialogue. So it's probably a little bit more of a discussion-oriented, so back and forth, pretty intense. They start together at dinner time, and what does it say he prolonged? I love how doctors speech, oh, he prolonged his talk. He talked till midnight. Like, he, he talked, I mean, let's say they gathered at six. He's there for six hours talking. He's talking about that. You don't have to wonder what he's passionate about. As a young adults director at a church in Chicago, we'd often ask students, we'd say, what's one thing that you could stay up till two in the morning talking about? We'd ask that because you get a little glimpse into somebody's area of passion, right? If you ask that over lunch today. But asking that question of Paul, we have that answer right here. What can he stay up talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about his church. He's talking about all that God's doing, the miraculous signs and wonders that he's experiencing. And he can't help talking more and more about it. Because why? He knows, we see it in the text, it says, he knows he's sailing the next day. So he's got the urgency. He's like, man, I got limited time. I got to get this by. Here's the interesting fact. He's just coming from his time in Ephesus. Anybody know what book Paul wrote in Ephesus? Anybody? Here's extra points. You get up for sure a star. Romans. He actually wrote Romans. So after just finishing writing Romans, do you think he might have a few things to share? Can you imagine trying to cramp the Cliff Notes version of Romans into one evening? He's just like, oh, how do I summarize all this? Because he's not just writing it and penning it. He's discovering he's a recipient of these mysteries himself, probably pretty jazzed to share. See, anytime, and this is the reason I titled this section, Urgent to Share, Urgent to Listen, You need that partnership in order for it to work. Do you know what I'm saying by that? You need somebody that's urgent to share something, and then you also need, on the flip side of that, somebody that's urgent to listen, urgent to take that in. It's a a necessary component in order for this to work. I don't know if you've ever been in an interaction with somebody. Maybe you're excited to share something, and you're watching them kind of doze off. You're losing them. You're like, hey, it doesn't have that, that mesh. It's not working. So last week, I was trying to do a, a quick, get a couple quick questions through Verizon Wireless. Anyone ever try to get a couple quick questions? So I had this great idea. I know they've got the live chat option online. Anybody ever try one of those before? Am I the only one that does this? So I'm on there. I'm like, man, this is going to go really quick because all of a sudden I, I enter my question. The person's, hello, how are you today? Great. Uh, we don't have to become best friends. Here's my questions. And, uh, and so... I'm thinking this is going to be like super quick. Like this is going to be like 101 level questions. I'm asking like 40 minutes later, I'm still there typing. Yes, please revisit question number seven. Like it was unbelievable because why? What was missing? They didn't have the same urgency that I had on their end. 
they're getting paid the same amount no matter how long, and they've got to translate it also into their language. And so it's a lot going on there in this interaction uh, on Verizon's uh, website. So pretty intense, missing that component of both being urgent. You see, though, I'm guessing the majority of the audience in this participation thing, they're all jazzed to hear every. They're hanging on his every word, right? But then there's always that one guy. There's always that one guy. In this case, the one guy's name is what? You see it in the text. Eutychus. That's just fun to say. Say it to your neighbor right now. Eutychus. Eutychus couldn't hang with the big boys. Hey, Eutychus, what does it say about him? It says he's a young man. He's trying, though. Think about it. Where is he seated? He's sitting by the window. He's like, what, when, you're, when you're getting tired, you're, what, what's the first thing you do if you're from the Midwest? You put down a window. You let some cool air in to kind of refresh you. Here, in this instance, he's trying his best. Luke tries to let him off the hook a little bit. He's like, you know what? There's a lot of lamps in that room. There's a lot, a lot of very limited oxygen, probably kind of stuffy. He just dozes off. And it wasn't one of those nodding off. Like, he's hitting REM. Like, he's like fully <laughs> gone. And let's be honest, we've all been there, right? I've seen you be there before. You think I can't see you. I watch you and I try to raise my tone. Maybe that's why my tone's so loud is uh, just to wake people up. And in fact, but I'm, I'm guilty too. Here's a picture that was taken at a conference of Adrian and I. <laughs> I think I've shown this once before. The, the picture, like clearly I'm just deep in prayer. Like you can see that. Like I, I, I'm coming before the Lord. My wife is just gone. Like there's, that's just, she, she's Eutychus in that story. Like if there was a window to fall out of, she would have fallen uh, for sure. We've all been there. Uh, my wife loves that picture. Um, uh, sometimes I seek uh, uh, getting a permission before stories and sometimes not. But here, here's the, here's the, uh, here, here's the, the thing though. We see based on this that God in his kindness, reaches out to Eutychus, verse 10. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. When Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long time until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, were not a little comforted. How awesome is that? So this guy, setting an example for every potential future sleeper in sermons, dies. Paul, in this description, who's giving the, the, that, that description? It's, it's Dr. Luke. He's made the assessment. He's dead, folks. He's dead. He fell three stories down on his melon asleep. He's dead. Paul, in a tender moment there, pretty cool picture, kind of like Elijah or Elisha gathers him up. Literally, hey guys, we're, he, he's still got some life in him. He's still got some life. And they're like, uh, no, he's dead. And, uh, but no, and his kindness brings him back to life, restores his health. And you might say to yourself, man, he's lucky to be alive. Now, some of you that are theologians are saying, Pastor Scott, there's no such thing as luck, right? Why are you putting that in your notes? Some people are getting ready to write me emails, but let me explain why. Let me explain why. Lucky Guess what the name Eutychus actually means? It means lucky. 
His name meant lucky or well-fated is what the name Eutychus means. How cool is that? Like our sovereign God that knew exactly what story he'd be writing in the Bible many years later, he's just like, huh, should I go with Bob or Steve? No, let's name him Lucky. That'll make good Bible, right? And so in his kindness, so everybody that's reading this story is just like, yeah, this guy named Lucky, he fell out the window and died. You're like, not so lucky. But on the other side of it, in God's kindness, God restored him brought them back to life like that. that. That should never get old for us. How awesome that picture is a person that went from death to life. Now here, interpretation by voting. How many of you think that Eutychus coming out of this probably had a little bit more of a kick to his step, a little bit more of a urgency to his day, right? Kind of seeing every single day as a moment, as a gift from God. Man, you just don't know. You just don't know how many of these days you have, right? This past week, and a little bit on a less of a happy note, I had a, got, got word that I have a cousin that's a little older than me. His name's Russ. Here's a, a picture of him. At age 57, uh, this last week, one day after his birthday, actually had a brain aneurysm. They found him nine, that burst, nine hours later found him, literally passed away just a couple days ago, and just, uh, just that's it. Pretty hard news, and in fact, as I'm writing this sermon, I'm penning the, the words urgency, man, I was like, that, that's the reminder. Isn't that the reminder we need of just how we just don't know that the, the, the next day is never promised, that all those things on the someday list, we might never get to them. Might never get to him. Someday, for, for him, I don't know what was on his someday list, maybe things on your someday list. Some, someday I'm going to reconcile this relationship. Someday I'm going to tell my daughter how much I love her. Someday I'm going to write that check that I needed to write that I wanted to help somebody out with. Someday I'm going to start a dynamic prayer life. Someday, all of a sudden, those someday's in an instant are gone. They're gone. Here, the reminder for us in a life lived with urgency is to turn those someday's into today. Today, I'm going to actually choose to actually live out those some days now because you don't know how many days we have left. Eutychus didn't know. He's just dozing off, man. He's probably done that a bunch of times. That's what happens with sermon sleepers. They're they're familiar with it. He's dozing off and doesn't realize that was going to be his last breath before he falls asleep. But here for us, the reminder when we're talking about a life of urgency is making sure you're maximizing those some days here today. Paul, I love when you look at the description there, what happens after he raises them back to life? What does it say? It's like, oh yeah, let's, let, what, what was I saying again? <laughs> Wasn't I in the middle of something about God's grace and his forgiveness? What does it say? He goes right back. They stop for a little food. First off, you're like, we got together at 6 p.m. It's now midnight. We're just now eating. You're, anybody ever got so excited to talk that you forget to eat? Yeah, I haven't either. But here in this, in this case, they do. They stop. They, 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 they stop, pause dinner, and Paul picks right back up, rocking and rolling all the way. When does it say that he stopped? At dawn. Now, let's do a little bit of math here, you mathematicians. 6 p.m. dinner, midnight, dawn. We're looking 6 p.m., midnight, maybe 6 a.m. How many hours is that? 
12 hours. There's the mathematician there, a lot. <laughs> that 12 hours. Here's a 12-hour sermon for any of you that I catch glancing at your watch when I'm running five minutes late. It's unacceptable. Unacceptable. 12-hour sermon here. Here's the, the, the case that this man was passionate. He had so much to share, and he, had, he realized he had what? Limited time to do it. He wanted to maximize his limited space. And so he goes all the way. He's not concerned about being worn out or tired the next day on his big trip. In fact, he's going, he's like, man, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out guns blazing. And he does. He maximizes that time. We'll end with this last section, verse 13, to see how it plays out. It says, but going ahead of the ship, it says, going ahead of the ship, we set sail for Asos. We'll go with that pronunciation, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met up with us at Asos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we, we touched at Samos. And the day after that, we went to Miletos, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not uh, have to spend time in Asia. For he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Okay, so a lot of, a lot of uh, travel details there. And you might get kind of lost in that. You're like, okay, lots of more cities I can't pronounce. But here's the reason we point to that. Is literally what we see is this. He woke up the next morning. He leaves all of these people extremely comforted. And instead of hopping in the boat, it says that he decided to travel to the next city by foot. So talk about somebody that's driven. Talk about somebody that's on mission, that's on point. That trip was 20 miles. I heard some people last night that stayed up really, really late. Imagine today if you're just like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go for a 20-mile walk in response to that. Zero sleep. This man is on mission. He's driven and he remains focused thinking about that as we're trying to think through our own personal response to that and maximizing our own days. Man, if we could take a dose of that in ourselves, leaving people encouraged and driven, saying, man, I'm, I'm staying on task. It says that he, he doesn't stop in Asia. That was where Ephesus was at. And he knew that if he paused, he was never going to get to Pentecost there, uh, to, in Jerusalem in time for Pentecost. It's kind of like us trying to get to our car after church. You're just like, oh man, that's going to be 40 minutes before I get out there. But the same, same idea here is he's moving on. He's on point, on mission. Why? Because he wants to get to the city of Jerusalem with the needs provided, the, the collection that's been taken, all of his partners that are represented, the different churches there, bringing the needed aid to those that, that, that needed it. So here's the, the kind of last point, last big idea is this, is where are we at as far as focus and purpose in our life? Do we stay on task or would we describe ourselves a little bit more easily distracted? Kind of like, hey, it doesn't take us to throw us off point and to be back on wandering who knows where. Or are we crystal clear on our focus? You might ask me, like, well, what are we supposed to be focused on? That's maybe where I'm missing it. And what if we started with this? What if we started with a few of the things we already know? Some, some non-negotiables in Scripture. How about this? What did Jesus say the greatest commandments? Love God, love others. 
What if we got that right this next week? What if that was the area of focus? If we just nailed that one thing, man, I'm going to do an awesome job of loving God, loving others. That's my focus. What another no-brainer in Scripture? How about this? Anybody ever hear that? Anybody ever hear news that we're called to to share Christ with people? Anybody hear this thing called a a great commission before? How about if we just stuck with that? We're like, man, this next week, focus. What I'm going to focus on, just praying for opportunities to engage people about Jesus Christ, how He's changed my life, how He can change their life, the radical transformation that come on the other side of that. What if that was the area of focus? Got tomorrow night, we've got this meal program. What if you're like, you know what, I'm going to focus on trying to provide for some needs for other people. I'm going to show up, sit down, have dinner with somebody that's maybe a little less fortunate than myself. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's for you and the Spirit to wrestle through. Maybe, though, if you need more specifics, maybe we start tackling that someday list. Remember I mentioned that earlier? That someday list. Some of the things that you've had said, you know, someday... I'm going to write this letter to my old college roommate that I know is struggling. Someday I'm going to look up this person. Someday I'm going to apologize for this. I shouldn't have done that. Someday I'm going to start a habit of getting into God's word. I don't know what your someday list is, but what if that someday list started on Sunday today? What if that someday started on Sunday? What an awesome thing that could be. Maybe someone in here is saying, someday I'm going to get baptized. Well, guess what? August 19th is fast approaching. The sun someday can become a Sunday. Maybe for somebody in this room, their someday list is, you know what? Someday I'm going to consider this whole relationship with Jesus Christ idea. You know, I've heard preachers talk about it. I've heard the message. I've, I've heard it. But I can't ever point to a time where I've bent my knee and embrace Jesus' finished work on the cross. I've never turned my life over to him. Maybe that someday thing could be today on a Sunday. How awesome of a possibility. That's what happens when you maximize moments, when you live with urgency. And what a beautiful example we see in the life of Paul. Let me pray. And I thank you so much for this scripture And I know personally, as I'm reading through it this week and studying it, you spoke to me about maximizing conversations, maximizing opportunities for encouragement, making sure that there's not things left on the someday list. And I pray that you do the same in our lives. I thank you for the grace and patience that you extend as we try to figure these things out. Thank you for the strength that you promise to come alongside of us if we do act on these things. Thank you for your faithfulness in Paul's life. We thank you for your faithfulness in our life, God. I pray that we wouldn't settle for just a paycheck and waiting for the next fun fix of the weekend. My prayer is, God, that we'd live with an urgency, with a purpose that influences others and impacts eternities. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Just reminders as we're leaving is one, we have a informational meeting just after the service here. You can actually come just chat with me if you're interested in being baptized on the 19th. And then second, if there's something we can be praying for you, we'll have a few volunteers up front here uh, to just join you in lifting up a, a prayer request. Otherwise, I pray you have a fantastic week and you live with complete urgency. God bless you. Have a great day.